Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we take a look at the action around the NFL in week 13 as the Bucks were on their bye week. We take a special look at the divisional matchup between the Saints and Falcons, as well as the Buccaneers' next opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, as they took on the Jacksonville Jaguars. All that and more on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi's a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Welcome back off the bye week, everyone, to our new and our uh, loyal listeners. We are excited to have you all back as we prepare for week 14. But before we get to week 14, we got to talk about some of these games that happened in week 13, David. We're going to get into the Saints and Falcons later in this episode. We're going to get into the Vikings and Jags later in this episode. But let's take a look around what happened across the league. As of recording, uh, all of the 1 o'clock games are done. The 4 o'clock games are still in progress. But, David, let's start off with one of the surprises of the day. As the Browns move to 9-3, and three, beating the Tennessee Titans and the score was a lot closer than the game was 41 to 35. The Titans were able to, uh, to get a garbage time touchdown there at the end. Couldn't convert the onside kick for a chance to tie it, but wow. Uh, you have Derek Henry fumbling for the first time in you know six decades of carrying the football. It was something ridiculous, like over 200 carries since his last fumble. Baker Mayfield throwing four touchdowns in a huge game. Corey Davis had a big game for the Titans, 11 receptions, 182 and a touchdown. But there's no other way to say it, David. The Browns are for real, man. Yeah, I mean, I I went on the uh, the Locked On Sunday morning live uh, show with, with Ross Jackson. Usually it's Ross and Cody, but Cody was sick, so I filled in for him. And we talked about this game and... And I said on that program, I said, listen, this is the game where I look to see the Cleveland Browns can prove to me uh, as much as they care whether or not I believe in them or not, that they're actually a playoff contender because, I mean, they've they've had a fairly easy schedule. They've had some soft teams that they've beaten on their way to their eight and three uh, record coming into this game. So the Tennessee Titans really kind of formed or really kind of represented the first true playoff caliber team. I saw this team facing off against at least late in the season as they get ready for a playoff run. And yeah, they absolutely handled the Tennessee Titans, a really good friend of mine needed me to win my fantasy matchup so that he could make our league's fantasy playoff this this uh, season. Derrick Henry got me 15 carries for 60 yards uh, and nothing else. So, well, actually, then then the fumble. So, uh, yeah, not not a good day for my fantasy squad because of this game. Uh, great day for, for the Browns. Great day for Browns fans. And how about former Buck Jeremy McNichols getting a one-yard touchdown run? 
Yeah, I've noticed he's become a, a quite an important part of the Titans offense, you know, and I'm happy for him. It didn't work out for him in Tampa, but it's nice to see with a little bit of time and a little bit of development, he's starting to become a contributor on a playoff caliber team. But I was really just stunned at how soundly the Browns just beat the Titans. Like I said, that 41 to 35 score is not indicative of how dominant the Cleveland Browns were. Absolutely. And the next thing we're going to look at, of course, the Detroit Lions uh, traveled to Soldier Field, took on the, the Chicago Bears. The Detroit Lions at one point were three and three and looked like they had a chance of putting together a pretty decent season. Since then, they had gone one and four before firing head coach Matt Patricia. Chicago Bears, one in five since defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now they're one in six after losing to Matt Stafford and the Bears. Uh, and James, I mean, in, in the first half, it was 23 13 Chicago. And then coming out of it, 34 uh, 30, the Detroit Lions come out with that win, moved to five and seven. The Bears dropped to five and seven. And I know that. J.C. Cornell went on record on Twitter talking about how the Bears were going to finish. I think he said seven and nine or worse after be- beating the Buccaneers, and a lot of people gave him a lot of grief for it. But uh, he he might uh, he might have actually overestimated the Bears' final record. Yeah, and for any of you that listened to the Commissioner's Corner podcast that I did with Jason Curtis from Bucks Nation, uh, Matthew Stafford told me to take my fantasy take and shove it because I had notched uh, Matthew Stafford as my sit for the week heading into this game because his last four road games against Jacksonville, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Carolina, he was averaging 238 yards, less than one touchdown, and less than one interception per game on the road. And this dude comes out just on fire, 402 yards and three touchdowns. Marvin Jones Jr., his receiver of choice in this one, going over 100 and getting a touchdown. David Montgomery quieting a lot of his doubters and a lot of his haters. He had a big day, uh, 72 rushing yards and two scores. So, yeah, it was an impressive comeback by the Lions. They were out to send a message after the uh, the firing of Matt Patricia, but – yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the talent on that team as far as what head coach they go for in the offseason. Josh McDaniels. I hope so. That'd be fantastic because that means people will stop talking about Josh McDaniels <laughs> going to Tampa Bay. The next game that we're going to talk about, not a whole lot to uh, to write home about on this one. It was the Bengals and the Dolphins. The Dolphins win 19-7. to A Joe Burrow-less Bengals is not a team that anybody wants to watch. But Tua came back. Uh, taking over for Fitzmagic and Miles Gaskin had a pretty decent day, 90 yards on the ground, but he also had a fumble. And then Mike Gusecki, a big coming out party for him, 88 yards and a touchdown. But Tua continues to look pretty good under center for the Miami Dolphins as they continue to just string along wins. They're at eight and four on the season now. You think Miami Dolphins, you think meh, but they are having a really, really good season. Yeah, uh, again, going back to the Locked On NFL Sunday morning show, um, I, I said there, and I'll say it again, I hate the Miami Dolphins for making me root against uh, Tua Tungavailoa because of what they're doing to Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Tua Tungavailoa does finish with a 97.8 quarterback rating, 296 yards passing, a touchdown, almost threw an interception as he was getting hit. Uh, that could have been pretty big. And then, I mean, of course, the, the biggest, I think, the biggest moment in this game outside of fantasy, and if you're just a fan of either of these teams, of course, is Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd and Xavier Howard getting kicked out of this game in the second quarter. Uh, Tyler Boyd did stay in the game long enough, though, to get me a 72-yard pass-catch touchdown. So I have to uh, appreciate him for that. And then, James, the next game we're going to look at, 
the Indianapolis Colts coming off of a bad loss against Tennessee Titans, looking to rebound against the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, who is doing really well with not a lot and then doing doing some stuff with even less now that some of his key players have been suspended for the rest of the season. So that's great. Good job, guys. Uh, 341 <laughs> yards, no touchdowns, but an interception. Uh, Kiki Kuti, I don't know if I'm saying that even correctly, to be honest with you. Eight catches, 141 yards. So I have a buddy who asked me if, if, that, if he was worth – a flyer, uh, Mr. Kiki there. And uh, I told him absolutely go for it. And I'm really happy that that advice worked out, even though it didn't end up in a Houston Texans win. Can we chalk this game up to having the most boring second half of any football game this season? Oh, did you watch? No, we're going to talk about the most boring second half of any football game this season in a later segment, sir. Two, two points were scored in the second half. Okay, two, you it might was 24 have that, to actually. 20 at <laughs> halftime. And the final was 26 to 20. Like, come on, get out of here with that. that. Yeah, you might have me on that, but I had to focus in on one of these games. So I'm just going to forever be salty about it. Fair enough. Nobody wants to watch Mike Glennon for 60 minutes, but we saved the uh, the best of the one o'clock games for last. It looked like the New York Jets were going to move to one and 11, but in the most Jets fashion of all time. They give up a 46-yard touchdown pass to Henry Ruggs with like four seconds left, and the Raiders would go on to win 31-28. to So the Jets lost, but did they also win by maintaining their number one draft pick status? Because Jacksonville could have taken that number one spot with the Jets win, and uh, now the Jets continue to stay in line for Trevor Lawrence, which, of course, is the big prize at the end of this miserable, miserable season for New York. Yeah, this is this is really simple. All right. You, your opponent has seconds left on the clock. No timeouts has to score a touchdown and you play cover zero. Greg Williams either followed company orders and threw this game or he will not have a job tomorrow. If Greg Williams is employed on Monday and shout out to Amy Trask on on Twitter, uh, who, you know, f- involved with the Raiders and all that stuff. So she's playing, paying very close attention, been in the business quite a bit. She said it herself. Greg Williams would not have a job Monday if he worked for any team that had any respect for them. If Greg Williams has a job tomorrow, guys, the fix is in. The Jets threw that touchdown, not the Raiders. Hey, whatever gets you Trevor Lawrence, right? That could be a uh, game-changing, franchise-changing player. Go back to school, Trevor. Go back to school. But uh, coming up next, we are going to dive into the Vikings and the Jaguars as we take a look at the Buccaneers' upcoming opponent. Poor David had to suffer through 60 minutes of Kirk Cousins and Mike Glennon, and that should not be wished upon anyone's worst enemy. But first, we got to give a shout-out to our friends over at DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. As a matter of fact, David, I used DoorDash last night to order from a local spot right down the street from me called Bullwinkles. I had a pulled barbecue rib sandwich with coleslaw, and then I had these chicken egg roll things where it was chicken, pepper jack cheese, black beans, red peppers, jalapenos, and a spicy ranch. Oh my God, it was phenomenal, and I got it thanks to DoorDash. Right now, 
our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Locked On. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On. Don't forget, code Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Following the bye week here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, we're talking about what's been going on around the NFL with the teams that actually played. Buccaneers and Panthers both on a bye. Of course, come back tomorrow on Tuesday as James. You will be solo because that is my day off. But James will be going and taking a deep, deep dive into the NFC playoff picture, what it means for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how they can move up to the fifth seed if they if they can if they can achieve some things, how they might fall to the seventh seed. I mean, he may even get into how they completely fall out of the playoffs altogether. I don't know. Anything is possible. So Come back tomorrow, guys. Join James on that episode here at the Locked On Bucks podcast. But right now, we're going to get into a game that has some playoff impl- implications from week 13 that was actually being played. And it has some implications because the, one of the opponents is the Buccaneers' own week 14 opponent. And that, of course, is the game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Minnesota Vikings hosting that game. Jacksonville coming in at 1-10. and 10, Minnesota coming in at 5-6. and six. Jacksonville looking to hold on to their bid to get Trevor Lawrence or perhaps a consolation prize in in, uh, Justin Fields. The Minnesota Vikings on the outside looking into the playoff race right now, sitting at the eighth seed, depending on what the San Francisco 49ers do, might be tied for the eighth seed. However, Minnesota does own the tiebreaker in that competition, so they would have the the number eight seed. Then, of course, depending on what the Arizona Cardinals do as well as they're playing as we record. But first of all, James, let's, let's talk about the game just in general. Let's talk about the Vikings and Jaguars, okay? Here's my assessment. Neither team wanted to win this game. I don't know what's going on in Minnesota. I don't know what's going on with that team or that coaching staff, but I think they have pl- they have vacation plans. I think they have inside information that as soon as the new year hits, COVID is just going to go away and all the vacation spots are going to open up because they did not look like a team that wanted to make it into the playoffs. All right, Dalvin Cook, 32 carries, 120 yards. So 120 yards, good. 32 carries, James. That's how, how many carries it took for Dalvin Cook to get to 120 yards. That is not a Dalvin Cook-like game. Kirk Cousins did throw for 305 yards, three touchdowns, interception. Justin Jefferson, probably the, the best bright spot in this entire game, nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Continue to love that kid. Continue to love what he's doing in the National Football League. Saw a tweet after the game saying that he should get some all-pro consideration. I absolutely stand for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Um, really, I think the big thing, James, is gonna, that I'm going to take away from this game that the Buccaneers need to be looking out for is the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars, who came into this game with the fewest amount of sacks as a team of any team in the National Football League, got to Kirk Cousins four times in this game. So if that's the case, Todd Bowles and his Buccaneers defense should be able to get to him, I'm going to say, at least six times. Obviously, we'll get into ball predictions later in the week. But just given what the Jaguars defense did on Kirk Cousins, it seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I I don't know what was going on with the Vikings. They almost regressed back to the way that they started the the NFL season. But you you take a look. They've won, what, five of their last six, now going to six and six, still in a position where they could potentially make the playoffs. So this game against the Buccaneers is going to mean everything for them to be able to stay in the hunt. They still need some help. You're looking at the Rams and the Cardinals as teams that both the Buccaneers and the Vikings need to lose you know the Bucks are trying to move up to that fifth seed the Vikings are just trying to get into the dance so a win against Tampa Bay bumping them down to seven and six moving you up to seven and six and now having that head-to-head tiebreaker this is 
this is a playoff game for the Minnesota Vikings coming up this Sunday. So I expect them to absolutely give their best effort, but you take a look at Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the game. I still think the Buccaneers would be able to slow him down. I'm not going to say stop him, but slow him down. They've done it to McCaffrey. They've done it to Kamara. They've, they've done it to every running back they faced, basically. But you take a look, Mike Glennon, he had an opportunity in overtime. He sails a ball. Uh, I can't remember who the intended receiver was. I want to say it was LaVisca Chenault, but I'm not sure. But it got intercepted by Harrison Smith, who is, you know, he's going to be a guy sitting back there waiting for those deep passes, trying to make a cut, make a break on the ball, and uh, try to, you know, turn the ball over, take the ball away, and uh, get Minnesota's offense back on the field. I continue, David, to be impressed by James Robinson. This wasn't his best effort, 18 carries, 78 yards, but he is one of the best young running backs in the NFL, and the Jaguars lean hard on him. Yeah. They lean so hard, especially when you got Mike Glennon starting a quarterback. It's already been announced he will be the starting quarterback next week as well. Not a terrible game from Glennon. It was a Glennon game from Glennon, you know? Yeah, I mean, honestly... It's kind of like the Philadelphia situation where the, like the Jaguars, the difference between the Jaguars and the Eagles is the Jags actually have some weapons on the team. They've got Robinson, like you said. A lot of the time, Mike Glennon is in the pocket. He just doesn't look comfortable. Some of that might be a lack of train of playing time, um, but some of that also is the pressure that the Vikings are bringing. And they lost Eric Kendricks during the pregame warmups. I think it was like right before the kickoff. He was just doing some karaoke's and he did something to his calf. It's kind of undisclosed right now. So we'll see how that impacts his future for week 14. Because if he doesn't play against the Buccaneers week 14, that's a huge opening over the middle of the hill and or the middle of the field. And early in the game, they had Glennon exploiting that. I mean, you look at Tyler Eifert, six targets for and six catches, 45 yards. A lot of that was over the middle. O'Shaughnessy, another tight end, six targets, four catches, 41 yards. A lot of that over the middle. So if Kendricks isn't in the game, that soft middle becomes even softer. And that's that's something that the Jacksonville Jaguars tried to take advantage of against the Vikings. And, and something that made me mad, James, watching this game, honestly, James Robinson, you mentioned how great of a season he has. He's had, and he definitely has. He had his 200th carry in this game, all right? And this is the last week for bye weeks. So everybody is caught up now at the, at the end of, like, James Robinson hit his 200th carry in this game. Do you know how many carries Rojo needs to hit 200 for the season in their next game? It feels like it should be in the 90s. He would need 38 carries to hit 200. So in order to match the usage in the running game that this undrafted rookie in Jacksonville is getting for a team that is 1-11, you talk about playing from behind, this team is 1-11 and and has 200 carries through the first three quarters of the season, Ronald Jones is three or is 30 plus carries behind this kid. That made me mad. You can't see me, but I'm shaking my head. That made me disgust. very mad. What didn't make me mad because it's kind of already a pre uh, foregone conclusion is what happened when the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons took the field. Of course, the Atlanta Falcons have two matchups coming up against the Buccaneers. And we're going to talk about what happened in that NFC South matchup, what it means for the future coming up here in the final segment of Monday's episode of locked on Bucks podcast. But before we do that, James, we got to talk about Built Bar. And James, I know you got a new shipment. I got a new shipment. I got those candy cane brownie uh, Built Bars. Those were amazing. So hopefully you guys got in on that deal. There's still the Advent Calendar Built Bites that you can get you any order. You get a free Built Bites Advent Calendar. One tab gives you a new Built Bite flavor, and it gives you a code for 2021. You can get 12 discount codes to use across 2021. It's an amazing deal. How can you beat it? Built Bars, for those of you who don't know, 
relaunched in August and they're even better than they were before that. They're healthy. They're great for the health conscious person, whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight while you indulge in delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. One of the new flavors, which is my mother, if you've been following the show, you know that my mother-in-law is fully invested as well. One of her favorite new flavors is cookies and cream and give you that flavor profile. First of all, it's delicious. It's straight up cookies and cream, guys. Like if you love cookies and cream flavors, you're going to love that bar. 17 grams of protein in that thing, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and just four grams of net carbs. All you have to do to get in on this deal is go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you will get 20% off of your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtbar.com. Wrapping things up here on a Monday edition of Locked On Bucks podcast. When you're done listening to us, Make sure you are checking out the Locked On NFL podcast with host Peter Bukowski. He interviews the local experts on the biggest stories from around the league. Big wins, shocking endings, top performances, and unexpected developments. Get the in-depth analysis and insightful breakdowns from those in the know every Monday on Locked On NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL everywhere you get your podcast. Peter does an absolutely phenomenal job over there. So make sure you give him a listen when you are done checking this episode out and David we're going to move on to the NFC South divisional rivalry between the Saints and the Falcons the Saints nine and two Falcons four and seven but but they had won four of their last six games the Falcons are getting hot and they just beat the ever-loving snot out of the Las Vegas Raiders but you know, it was kind of a what you expected to happen did happen. The Falcons did have an opportunity at the end of the game. They actually had two opportunities at the end of the game to try to steal one away from the Saints, but it was the Saints that would go on to win 21 to 16. Taysom Hill, a couple of touchdown passes, 232 passing yards. He added 83 more on the ground. And oh, hey, Michael Thomas, nice of you to show up this season with uh, 105 yards for you know, your first game worth anything. Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin are all better than you, but David won't admit it because you went to Ohio State. Anyway. Um, that got personal. <laughs> I had to get a dig in on Ohio State where I could. It, it wasn't a dig at you. It was just a dig at, at your terrible college team. I mean, but Brandon Ayuk is my favorite wide receiver in the NFL, but whatever. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um Look, at, at the end of this game, here was the frustrating thing. The Falcons had an opportunity to win this, and it felt like deja vu because Dirk Cutter is the one that gets in the way of this Atlanta team. On third and two, he, he calls a run to the outside by Todd Gurley, which, of course, gets snuffed out immediately, loses seven yards. So on fourth and nine, you only need nine yards. You just have to get inside the 15-yard line, and you get a new set of downs. And what does he draw up? Oh, just throw it deep to Julio Jones in double coverage in the end zone. Of I course, mean, that, gets, that gets batted away, and uh, the Saints take over. The Falcons' defense does stand up and stops them. Only has, you know, about 30 seconds left. You move, you move down the field a little bit. You have nine seconds on the clock from about the 30-yard line. And instead of a quick pass to the sideline, try to get a little bit more yardage and get out of bounds, give yourself one more play. It's just a heave into a giant pile in the end zone and the clock expires. So it was Dirk Cutter doing Dirk Cutter things. Uh, 
and the the Falcons would go on to lose. But David, here's the big discrepancy that I noticed from this game. You take a look, Matt Ryan, 19 of 39 passing. Not a great day for him, but 39 pass attempts, 21 rushing attempts. And eight of those were Ito Smith, five for Brian Hill, eight for Todd Gurley for a whopping two yards of carry. Yikes. You take a look at New Orleans. Taysom Hill threw the ball 37 times. And as a team, New Orleans ran the ball 36 times. You would think with a duo like Gurley and Smith and you throw in Brian Hill, the idea would be what I saw out of the Philadelphia Eagles against the Green Bay Packers early in that game. They were just running the ball. They only came away with a field goal on that opening drive in Green Bay. But the the Eagles held the ball for seven and a half minutes, like half of the first quarter. That's what the Falcons needed to do to the Saints because I realize I make fun of Taysom Hill all the time. He's Diet Tebow, but he's starting to get more and more comfortable as a quarterback rather than a guy that just pulls the ball down and runs whenever he gets the opportunity. As each week goes by, his passing stats are getting better and better. He was really looking at Jared Cook in this game, three receptions, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Sanders had five receptions on six targets. Michael Thomas, 11 targets. It's not just run, 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 run with Taysom Hill. So the Falcons really botched this one by not trying to control the time of possession and instead just having Matt Ryan drop back and chuck it almost 40 times. Yeah, I mean, it's pitch left, pitch right, throw it deep. It's dirt cutter. And and we, we've we known what we know about dirt cutter is that dirt cutter offense is going to do what a dirt cutter offense does, no matter what the opponent is doing. And that's just how it's going to be. And, and that's why he's not the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore. Um, look, I, I, I thought it during the offseason. I thought the, the Falcons would be better off going with Edo Smith and Brian Hill as their main running backs instead of bringing in a guy like Todd Gurley. And today's just a game where they kind of demonstrated that. Again, I can't speak to the entire season, but, I mean, Todd Gurley's not exactly blowing the roof off of defenses either. Matt Ryan completing less than 50% of his passing attempts today just kind of goes to show what kind of what kind of uh, creativity the Atlanta Falcons are doing there against the New Orleans Saints defense, who is pretty good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Saints don't have, like, the worst defense in the National Football League. But if you're mixing some things up and you're, and you're forcing them to react instead of just kind of sitting back and letting them know what you're going to do against them on every snap, um, they are a defense that is susceptible. And, and you look at this, James, and I mean, and the Saints, I still stand by my assertion the Saints are the tier one of the NFC right now. Um, and then you have the Bucks, the Packers, the Seahawks. Um, really, that's my tier two. Maybe the Rams, you know, we'll see how they how they finish the regular season, but that's kind of my tier two right now. But uh, you look at this, I mean, the Falcons had five scoring possessions. The Saints had three. The difference is the Saints defense did enough to where the Falcons only scored one touchdown and they had to settle for four field goals. Um, or three field goals. Sorry, the Falcons had four scoring possessions. The Saints had three. If one of those, if one of those field goals, and Young Way Koo made field goals from 30 and 28 yards. So you're close. If one of those field goals is a touchdown, the Falcons win this game. You know what I mean? And, and that's really the difference in 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 playing the New Orleans Saints right now, especially with Taysom Hill. And you know, Taysom Hill is looking better and better each week, but again, kind of keep everything in perspective. He played the Falcons twice and the Broncos, who had a practice squad wide receiver quarterback. So um, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, kudos to, to Taysom, but we talked about this when he took over and when it was announced that Drew was going on the IR for those three games, that the, the slate of games that Taysom was going to be playing quarterback for are, were very winnable games. Um, you know, I would be more impressed, I guess, if he was beaten, say, I don't know, the Packers, the Chiefs, even the Rams, you know what I mean? Like beat a team that's got some legitimate playoff hopes 
and I'll be more impressed. But until then, it's just, it's kind of just another thing. I saw Aaron Freeman tweet, uh, you know, give me Julio and there, oh yeah, give me Julio and give me Young Way Koo, Young Way Koo, everybody else can go. Like, you know what I mean? So that's kind of the state of the Falcons right now. So that's who Taysom Hill is beating. So, I mean, hey, props to him because I couldn't even, uh, you know, there's no way I would even be able to complete a pass in the National Football League, let alone uh, throw 27 for 37, 232 and two touches. So I'm not saying I can do better, but uh, as far as NFL quarterbacks are concerned, let's not uh, let's let's not crown him just yet. Oh, I'm I'm not trying to crown him. I'm just saying he's getting more comfortable. Oh, I know that, you that aren't. Was... You keep calling yeah. him Diet Tebow <laughs> until you stop calling him Diet Tebow. You absolutely aren't crowning him anything. I got. I'm just I'm talking about the people out there who are crowning him. I know it's painful for our listeners to uh, to hear that the New Orleans Saints have clinched a playoff spot. Looks like, uh, barring any kind of historically monumental collapse, they will clinch the NFC South. But good friend of the show, friend of ours, Scott Smith over at Buccaneers.com, he wrote up a viewing guide for Buccaneers fans for Week 13. And for those that didn't see it, he uh, he pointed out that the Buccaneers have a far better chance of making the playoffs as a wild card than they do as the winner of the NFC South, something that we all pretty much knew. And he pointed out the Falcons are on a hot streak, and if they were to beat the New Orleans Saints, now you're talking about a team that is gaining a lot of confidence. They would have won five of their last seven, and all of a sudden they are in the playoff hunt with two games coming up against the Buccaneers. So his final message was, quote, verdict. We're not asking you to actively root for the Saints, but if they do take care of business against the Falcons, that's not really such a bad thing. So just going to throw that out there that, yeah, knocking the Falcons down a peg or two, keeping them out of the wild card race was certainly a good thing because it doesn't look like the Bucs are going to catch up to the Saints. If you want an opportunity at revenge, you got to hope that the two of them meet in January. Yeah, I mean, and look, I know you're going to get deeper into it. I know you don't agree, so I'll let you handle that on tomorrow's episode. But uh, looking at Rams and Cardinals, like right now, I'm, I'm wanting the Arizona Cardinals to win because I don't want – or no, I'm sorry, I want the Los Angeles Rams to win. I don't want the Arizona Cardinals at seven wins with the Buccaneers coming into next week. I want the Arizona Cardinals staying down there as much as possible, whereas I think you want the Arizona Cardinals to win – to keep the Rams down a little bit so the Buccaneers might have a chance to leapfrog them up in the standings. And it's really just kind of a difference in opinion on where is your focus. Me, I'm just saying get to the dance. Get to the tournament in January, and you've got as good a chance as anybody else. You you want the higher seed. You want the NFC East matchup. And I totally get that. But that's kind of where you got to you gotta, you got to pay attention to these games as you're choosing who to root for, quote-unquote, is how does it impact the team you're overall rooting for. And, of course, we want to cover a team in the Super Bowl, so I want the Buccaneers to make it the Super Bowl. In order to do that, you got to make it to the playoffs. To me, a seven-win Rams team, a seven-win Cardinals team, and a seven-win Buccaneers team is more of a threat to the Buccaneers' playoff chances than a seven or an eight-win Rams team, seven-win Bucks team, and a six-win Cardinals team coming into Week 14. Well, I will say that I'm not going to completely disagree with with your take of wanting the Rams to win, but I'll get into why uh, on tomorrow's show when I do this deep dive into the playoff scenarios. Is we have to. Uh, we have to pay attention to that. It's been a long time since we've had to pay attention to that, but it is something to keep our eye on. But that's going to do it for us for this episode. David, uh, make sure you come back and uh, and check out my, my solo show tomorrow. If you want to call in and help out with my solo show, you know the number. It's 813-444-5841. Check out everything David and I are doing over at Bucks Nation. 
Com. Make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast wherever you can find a podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, what's the new Apple one? What do they call it? Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, your streaming device or streaming app of choice. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore nation hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day stay safe stay healthy wash your hands be good to each other and we thank you so much for joining us right here at lock on bucks